Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have John. Hello. Luke. Hello. I'm Charles, or Chuck. And this week, we're talking to Justin. Justin, do you want to introduce yourself and let people know who you are? Yeah, hi, this is Justin Gordon from Maui. A lot of people know me from a very long time ago when I had a blog article, a blog called Rails on Maui. And I got a little bit well-known in 2014 because I was one of the first people that really integrated Webpack and React and Ruby on Rails. And then I developed a pretty, um, library called React on Rails. And I've been involved in doing this sort of work for a number of years. I think this is my third time that Chuck's invited me. So I'm really grateful to Chuck for the opportunity to get a chance to meet all of you today. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming back. Now, we have you coming back on to talk about Webpack and Webpacker and React on Rails. And I know you've contributed to both Webpacker and, you know, you created, like you said, React on Rails. One thing that I'm a little bit curious about just to get started is we moved away from Sprocket several years ago to Webpacker. And I know some people are happy with the move and some people aren't. And I found that it's relatively simple if you're just doing a Yarn install to pull libraries in. But one thing that I miss is pulling in my custom JavaScript code. It seems like that's always a giant hassle to figure out how to get that in. Do you have any tips for that before we get too deep into this? Sure. Well, I think, Chuck, I'd have to take a look at your exact situation. But I think, if, let, me, um, let me get this clear. You're having trouble getting custom JavaScript code in with Webpacker, not the yeah. original Sprockets. And that the reason why, I'm guessing, is you just like making sure you got some manifest file in Sprockets that says include everything globally. And it's just all there in one giant global mess. And that's really easy. And you like that, right, Chuck? Yeah, basically. Or I could say, these are the ones I want. I want that one and 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 I'm done. Sure, sure. And that's actually really not too hard over in um, Webpacker once you get used to it. The main thing is that there's going to be a little bit extra complexity when you just don't want your program a bunch of global variables. And I right. think there are a lot of reasons why. And you're just going to... Anyway, Chuck, we'll have to go one-on-one -on -one and take a look at your situation and take a look at that. Yeah, I'll admit that most of the time what I'm running into is I've pulled some UI that I bought off of like themeforest.net or something. And so it includes some libraries that aren't on NPM or, you know, something like that. And so it's pulling in some other library. And yeah, because, you know, jQuery isn't global or some other thing isn't global, it, it isn't playing nice. And so that... Oh, okay. I, I know exactly the problem you're talking about. You're talking about like dealing with the whole Yarn NPM ecosystem with legacy libraries that have globals. And so yeah. there is a special place in Webpack configuration that you just got to know about that enables those globals because Webpack's really nice in that you don't see all those globals unless, and that's, this isn't part of really Webpack, so we're part of the whole module system and Babel, is that you're not going to see those unless you put in a few things that are special. So and basically it's protecting you from all the hazards of globals and you got to get right. around that. Yep. Makes sense. But yeah, that, that's where I get tripped up. <laughs> it's that kind, of, that kind of thing. To run over that really quick, 
So my solutions for that kind of a problem, because I've encountered this as well on many apps that have been trying to migrate right to the Webpacker ecosystem, is that there's basically a couple plugins, more or less, plus some config settings, right? Does that, does that seem more or less in line? Or is it really like literally there's something buried down in the Webpacker config tree that I've just been oblivious to all this time? And that's all I needed the whole time. Well, I've got a really good tip about this. And so I think it's a tip in general for programming is that if you have a big app and then you're trying to integrate something and you're getting stuck a little bit, see if you can make like a tiny little app. And all you're trying to do is make that one library work. And so that way you kind of understand things from the fundamentals. Because if you're just kind of copying and pasting stuff from blog articles that came out in different years, working on different versions of Webpack, Webpacker, which is different than Webpack, et cetera, you can get yourself really, really confused. So there, there are just a few sure. different settings in Webpack to set that up. And it really does work pretty good. But like everything in programming, you got to understand a little bit of the fundamentals. Fair enough. Yep. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Webpacker or do we want to start with React on Rails? Because I think the two, I think one is eventually going to lead to the other no matter where we go. Well, sure. I'm really uh, open to your questions, John and Luke. I got some things I definitely wanted to talk about today. Um, one of them is I did a humongous amount of work to prepare React on Rails version 12. Been working on React on Rails since 2015. And we could definitely talk a little bit about how React on, why, why use React on Rails? Why not just use Rails Webpacker? I'd love to talk a little bit about React on Rails Pro and just kind of how I help people out with just to get just like your situation, Chuck, if you spent eight hours trying to do something and you were one of my clients on React on Rails Pro, I'd go, hey, Chuck, here you go. And then you're off and running, building your app and not basically worrying about how to do this DevOps work of making React work with Webpack, work with Ruby on Rails, making all the versions work together, and then making it work with all the complexities of your own app. Because there's only, you can only go so far with reading the different tutorials. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of tutorials out there for different things like this. What, just out of the box, like what does React on Rails give you? So the most important thing that React on Rails gives you is a really simple user interface, a really simple interface so that you can say React component, here's the name of my component, here are some props, they get passed into the component and out you're up and running. And there's some there's some five some super super simple examples on the React on Rails GitHub page that show you how to do that. A few years back, I made it work pretty well with Rails Webpacker, and now with version twelve, I've tried to eliminate all the I've tried to remove as many duplicates duplicated functionality as I can. And the big thing I've been working on recently, which is really pretty um, pretty different than before was before I was really advocating a custom webpack configuration for as compared to using the rails rails webpacker is doing a lot of what I don't know if you know this um, much Chuck John and Luke is that it's doing some of the same things you get with something like create react app like Gatsby like nextjs like a lot of different frameworks that make it so you don't actually have to see webpack so that's been, when that started out, it just didn't work at all for a lot of React on Rails apps, like especially because of server rendering. And even to this day, it actually, I finally got it. I kind of figured out, finally figured out a really good strategy 
for getting, um, doing, figuring out how to integrate what Rails Webpacker does with React on Rails on the server rendering side, which was a bit of an epiphany. I just real, I thought about all the different scenarios and I realized that the main thing was that the client configuration is really tricky for Webpack. That's because everything's got to be really optimized for a whole bunch of different browsers from old Internet Explorer to whatever the new stuff is. You've got to make sure you don't send extra JavaScript. You got to make sure you prepare images, fonts, etc. You might have SAS files, a lot of CSS stuff. And then you got the situation of server rendering and server rendering all you really want to do is basically execute a little bit of JavaScript code and create a string. It's just basically running a function and it creates a string. That's it. I mean, how hard could that be, right? Well, it's, it's actually pretty complicated when you get down in the nitty gritty. And But the, the Webpack configuration for doing server rendering is really a lot simpler than the client configuration. So it's possible to take the client configuration and make it so that, and then basically apply a few modifications to it, and then you're off and running. And that, I realize, is a lot simpler than maintaining your own Webpack configuration from scratch, which is what most of my clients are on. It's what we've been doing for a number of years. I'm not necessarily going to move all my existing Shaka Code clients over to the new one yet, but I do think in the future for a lot of new apps, this is the way to go because it is a lot of work keeping Webpack and the integration with Ruby on Rails updated. And that's done with Rails Webpacker. And that's the whole beauty of all this open source stuff is we're able to leverage it without having to do all the work and all the updates all the time. What do you think, Chuck? Sounds interesting to me. I mean, I'm not a big React developer. So, you know, I've played with it anything that gets stuff out of my way or makes it easier for me to adopt some of these like server-side rendering, I definitely am a fan of. Again, and not, not everybody, not every app needs server-side rendering and it's not the only usage of React on Rails. React on Rails is basically, the way I look at it, is the, um, the thing you want to apply on top of Rails Webpacker if you are using React, if that is your chosen library. And there's uh, just a lot of different parts that make it work really well together. And you don't have to do it. There's a very simple example in the Webpacker repo that you can write some of the hooks yourself. But React on Rails includes an NPM library also. So I was mentioning you call React Component. Here's a component name. Well, how is, how is like, you know, that little bit of JavaScript going to find that component name? Well, you have to register it. And so there's an API to register the component. And then that, that's pretty much it. You don't, you don't, add, and there are a few other little nuances to it that go way beyond the basics, such as the latest thing we've been doing, which is really super awesome, is really tight integration with a library called Loadable Components, so that if you're over in the Chrome browser and you do an audit of your, your page and it says, you have a lot of unused JavaScript, you know, you should remove that. And the way to do it is you can do um, dynamic loading, and there's a lot of, and the, there are a lot of really tricky things that Webpack does, the browser does. So that stuff, the, your JavaScript loads just at the right time. But you as a programmer didn't have to do that much to set it up. Just a few little tweaks. Right. John, I think you've probably done more with React and Rails and things like that than I have. Yeah. What's your so, take on all this stuff? So it actually sounds really awesome to me for a lot of reasons. But the primary one being the thing that you said earlier, you're trying 
to make it such that React on or the things that you need to do to get React on Rails work deviate as little as possible, like minimally as possible from sort of the standard Rails Webpacker config, which makes which makes try both trying out and like your ability to like trust it like a lot better. So from my perspective, I've used was it React Rails, I think is sort of the other gem that's kind of been out there for a while that gets React working on Rails. I've done kind of raw Rails Webpacker configurations and React on Rails on various projects over the past, like, I don't know, five-ish years, something like that. And for a long time, I just wasn't happy with any of them. So I just like, I just used the Rails Webpacker config because my goal was to achieve exactly what you're talking about earlier. I want to be able to upgrade my version of Rails, you know, probably, or upgrade my Webpacker version, right? And and I want to make that migration as easy as possible. And the farther and farther I get away from that default config, the harder it is to do. And it sounds like you're trying to get to a place where that's easier. And that appeals a lot to me. But yeah, I also, I would also point out that I just recently did a tutoring thing so I had somebody approach me. They kind of wanted a custom boot camp for themselves. They wanted to learn more about Rails, level up in that way. They wanted to try out some stimulus stuff. They wanted to try out some React stuff. So I, anyway, I did a thing for them. And what? And when we got to the React portion of it, I had originally planned out that we were just going to use this basic Rails Webpacker configuration without using React Rails or React on Rails. And then right before we started, I was like, I should do a better job for my pupil and I'll try out both of these things. I tried out React on Rails, which I had basically a few years ago said that I would never touch again. And I I was just like, wow, this was like really easy. And so anyway, that's what we ended up picking because it was that easy. So kudos to you for fixing whatever made me hate it back then because I don't even remember anymore. I just, I, sorry. <laughs> John, yeah. did you try out version 12 that came out in the last few months? Uh, so I just went and checked while we were, while we started this and it looks like uh, we used 11.3. So it was okay. even, it was good in 11.3. I haven't tried out 12 yet. So, so I can't so say anything about 12 just yet. <clears throat> 12 fixed a really subtle issue with uh, React hooks and the way you, um, of way components were running. One of the key interesting things about the React on Rails API is that when you register a React component, you can just give it the component. And a component in React is either a functional component or it's a class component. And yeah. that would that would just you just register that file, export a component there, register it, and boom, it works for server rendering, for client rendering. And one of the special things about the API is that it gives you a um, way to share some props 